You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Oh, it's a great night on 98.7. Islanders win. It's a big week in football. Let's talk about it on ESPN New York Tonight. We're at 1-800-919-3776. That is the number to join our Thursday night edition. Throwback Thursday night edition on 98.7 ESPN. Along with Jacob and Giselle, we're here till midnight. Oh, we got the throwback Christmas music for you because I know you folks have not been listening to me. I told you to get your shopping done weeks ago. So while you're in the mall or trying to drive around looking for a spot to get in the mall, or perhaps you're dumb like me and parked and had to turn around a corner and the wind just almost blew you off your feet, we thank you for being a part of ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so listen, a couple of things. First of all, let's talk. hats off to the Islanders, huh? Not only do they continue, and they are, they've, they've been consistently good all season. Hats off to them. Now 23-8 and 2 on the season. 23-8 and 2. And this is a nice win. Not only to end the losing streak against the Bruins, but to do it in their building. Very nice. All right, so it came in the shootout. Doesn't matter. It's about the win. And so for them to get that monkey off their back, they're in good shape. And they just continue to impress and continue to roll. They are clearly one of the top hockey teams in the National Hockey League this season. And it's in a year that has been for New York sports, they put a smile on our faces and we want them to continue to do that. This week, week 16 in the National Football League, oh, baby. This is what I'm looking forward to because I think this is going to be one of the better playoff series when it comes up next month in the NFL in a while. Because normally it's like, well, in the AFC, it's going to have to. The road to the Super Bowl goes through New England. Maybe not. Maybe not this year. The road to the Super Bowl could be going through the Crab City of Baltimore. The Ravens will be at Cleveland on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Ravens are 12 and 2, Cleveland 6 and 8. Now Baltimore can clinch a first round bye with, and if you know it's time, it's time that we start putting those different scenarios together. So here we go. Baltimore will clinch a first round bye with a Baltimore win or tie, or a Kansas City loss or tie, or simply a New England loss. Now Baltimore can clinch home field advantage throughout the playoffs with a Baltimore win or a Baltimore tie and a New England loss or tie, or a Kansas City loss or tie and a New England loss. And I think the way Baltimore's playing, I think they're, I think they're going to beat Cleveland. So it's going to be, they'll, 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 they'll fulfill their part, which is a Baltimore win. And then they'll figure out how the rest of it goes through. As far as the New England Patriots are concerned, they are, this is one of the matchup games on Sunday. Patriots hosting the Buffalo Bills. That's Saturday, Saturday game, 4.30. New England, of course, 11-3, Buffalo 10-4. New England clinches the AFC East with a win or tie. They clinch a first-round bye with a win, a Kansas City loss or tie, or a New England tie and a Kansas City loss. A couple of other games we'll talk about a little bit later. The other big-time matchup for me this weekend, 
are the Green Bay Packers are at Minnesota on Monday night. Green Bay could clinch the NFC North with a win or tie. And then Dallas and Philadelphia. Who can win the NFC East? They both have seven and seven records. It's very simple. Very simple. Dallas wins, they clinch. Now let's talk about the New York teams. <laughs> we got the playoffs out of the way. Let's talk about the New York teams, right? Because they're not there. I want to get your thoughts on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Here's our Twitter poll question today. Listen carefully. Complete this sentence. In 2020, Eli Manning will return to the Giants, play for another team, or chilling with family. Which one do you think best describes the future for Eli Manning next year? Complete this sentence. In 2020, Eli Manning will return to the Giants, play for another team, or be chilling with family. I'm interested to get your thoughts. At Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. And of course, you can join us at 1-800-919-3776. Eli Manning. A lot of talk about Eli today. A lot of talk about the Giants. Alan Hahn, who along with Peter Rosenberg hosted the Michael K show today. Yeah, the number one show in New York City. Mm-hmm. And Alan said the biggest problem with the Giants, lack of leadership. The Giants became a franchise over the last five plus years where more and more it became the players were sort of running the team. The players were the voice of the team. Every decision you make as a general manager should always be about winning. Brian Cashman's great line, I'm always looking for somebody better than you. That's a decision about winning. So if I have a guy who I love, Didi Gregorius, I love Didi, but I have to make a decision about winning. So I got to move on from Didi, right? It's not an emotional decision. It's not an angry decision. I don't keep him because I love him. It's about winning first. I love Alan Hahn. You guys know I love him. And it's very easy to say that when you're the Yankees because you are what? Consistently successful year after year. You have the opportunity. You know you're going to be in the thick of it and have a chance to be in the postseason. So when you have that type of resume and when you have that type of situation, yeah, you're Brian Cashman. You can afford to be that way. But if you were the Mets or if you were the Jets or the Giants, you got to think again about whether you want to let D.D. Gregorius go in that scenario. And so what happens is you're looking for a guy that is a guy that can spark the organization, to spark that turnaround. That's why they took Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. was a guy who could spark. He was a game breaker. He's a home run hitter. He takes the top off your defense. So you're willing to take that chance on him from maybe, you know, whether he's a character. and He's not a character problem. He's just, you know, eccentric, a little diva-ish. But when you have guys like that, you think you can coach them up. You have a culture that supports them. But in some cases, it didn't, it doesn't work. But you'll take that chance because of the fact that you aren't, you don't have sustainable success. Yankees are always in it. So it's easy to use them as the model example. They're always in it, every single year. And if they're not in it, they can afford to spend, oh, what, $324 million? And get back in it. This is ESPN New York Tonight. 
Here's Larry Hardesty. It's ESPN New York tonight on 987 ESPN. It's Throwback Thursday, Christmas style. Got some classic Christmas music for you. Check this out. smell of pines from Christmas trees Kids from one to ninety-nine Dreams come true Al Green At Christmas time Happy smiles and joyous songs What Christmas means to me On ESPN New York tonight on 987 ESPN. So our poll question tonight, complete this sentence. In 2020, Eli Manning will return to the Giants, play for another team, or be chilling with family. 2.3% of you, 2.3% say return to the Giants. 21.7% say play for another team. I mean, I... I've done polls here forever to to have one point like two point three is is amazing. To have two, like twenty one point seven, is incredible. Seventy six percent of you say Eli's gonna be chilling with family. Speaking of the family, how did it feel, Eli, on Sunday when you were having your kids watching you play? It's special. I think it's special that, you know, my kids get to come and watch, you know, watch some games. Uh, I don't remember my, my dad playing at all. He retired. I was four years old. So, uh, my brothers have memories that they always kind of talked about it, you know, in the locker room and around games and, and, and I don't remember it. So I try to bring, bring my, uh, bring my kids around as much as possible, bring them to some games. I know I got my youngest son won't, won't remember any of it, but, uh, you know, at least have a picture to, to, to show him one day. Hey, Coach Shermer, what did you think of Eli's return? I thought we executed in the passing game pretty well. You know, we were making plays, and we were actually getting, you know, explosive plays. Slayton had the two touchdowns, and, you know, we were trying to still keep going with that and and blend in the run, but we just didn't convert on enough third downs to stay on the field. But you won the game. That's important. And now, where I think it's almost certain that Daniel Jones will be starting under center, on Sunday, that's why we had the poll question about Eli Manning. Because clearly, in his last season, do is there any scenario that you see Eli coming back to the Giants? Any scenario whatsoever? Obviously, 2.7% of you say no. <laughs> Two, not 2.7% of you think there is a scenario that he'll be back. The rest of you, the other 90, 97.3%, are like no. Nah. He may be playing. He may be. He may be playing either playing with his kids or playing with another team. But he's not playing with the Giants. That's what most of you say. And I tend to agree with you. I don't think he will be back. But you know what? You never know. Frank's in New Rochelle. Hey, Frank, you're next on ninety-eight seven ESPN. Hey, how you doing? I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and mm-hmm. what nobody's talking about, we beat we beat them already early in the season. So. This, it may not be easy for them to beat us. And we're at home. We beat them at their house. So they have to come to Cleveland. So 
you know, it may not be as easy as people are talking. That's that's all I'm saying, you know. Well, you and you have a right to feel that way, Frank. But let's let's be fair. The Ravens, yeah. the Ravens that are playing now are not the same Ravens you guys played earlier in the season. That's true. And That's true. to be honest, the Cleveland Browns are not the same Cleveland Browns that were playing early in the season. I know we we we, we have one of our key players that, that's not playing. So you know, no Miles saying, Garrett, yeah. no Miles Garrett is big, Frank. It, it's huge. It's huge because you know. Thanks for the phone call. It's huge because he's the only guy that consistently puts pressure on the quarterback. He's the only guy. He's a guy on the front defensively that commands a double team. And so it makes other people make plays. So not only don't you have Miles Garrett, okay, but you're missing, you know, a couple of other guys defensively. So it, it's, it's while you did beat them early, they've, they've reached another level and you have quite honestly taken a step back. And now it will be interesting to see if the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. has said that he wants to stay in Cleveland, at least for next season, does that make it a little easier? Does that, does that spur this team on? Does that say, okay, let's, let's try to finish this out because I can still see a coaching change in Cleveland. I can still see, and you know what? They need work. They need work. They need work. This is not, this is not the Super Bowl team that everybody thought it was going to be. And this is even before Garrett got tossed. This was not the Super Bowl. This is not the Super Bowl team everybody thought. Because the quarterback is still too inconsistent. I mean, you look at the receiving core on this team. I mean, they should be. Top five in passing, yardage, and touchdowns as a team. They should be. They've underachieved. Now the question is going to be, will the next coach come back and get them squared away? Suleiman's in Brooklyn. Suleiman, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hi, Freddie. It's funny that you mentioned the Browns and Super Bowl in the same, in the same uh, sentence. Mm-hmm. So I have two points about my New York football Giants. Yep. Number one, why were they, meaning Gettleman, so scared of teaming up Odell and Saquon for more than one year? I mean, Odell is a top five receiver. Saquon going into next year, I still think, is a top ten back. Why were they so scared of uh, having our version of the triplets? I mean, we could have had Daniel Jones, Saquon, and Odell be on the same team. They weren't afraid of the. Uh, they weren't afraid of having. Um... Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. together, they were, and thanks for the phone call, they were afraid, well, they weren't happy with the culture that was going on there. And they just felt that Odell Beckham Jr. really didn't want to be with the Giants anymore. I mean, think about this. They paid him and still shipped him away. So they obviously felt that he didn't want to be here. And there were some things, you know, Shermer that happened early preseason, Shermer didn't like, Gellerman didn't like. Still paid him. So it wasn't that they were, they were afraid of teaming them up. They just didn't like the pressure that Odell Beckham was, was placing on the team and some of the things that he had done. Now, to be fair to him, he had done stuff before, much more crazier stuff before they got here. He wasn't proposing to kicking nets on the sidelines when Gettleman and Shermer were here. 
But they just really wanted him to play early in the season, and he didn't have – during the preseason, he didn't have a contract. He wasn't doing it. So they didn't like that. And they felt all in all, and then the interviews, and he you had know, several interviews, and several things came out, and – you know, he was always talking about playing elsewhere and I love LA and all this other stuff. So they felt like, listen, rather than to continue on with this stuff, uh, let's get rid of him. Landon Collins, Snacks Harrison, let's start cleaning house. Eli Apple, let's get all these, let's get all these borderline guys out of here who are messing with the culture of this Giants football team. That's the reason why they let OBJ go. And that was it. And listen. He hasn't produced in Cleveland. So, maybe they're right. This is ESPN New York Tonight. (laughs) Merry Christmas! Me! Me! I know you're surprised. Thought it was a bad impersonation of Thriller. <laughs> it was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, <laughs> not even a mouse. Yes, the four tops. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. In hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. It's throwback Thursday. The children were all nestled, all snug in their beds. While visions of sugar plums, <laughs> On ESPN New York tonight, 1-800-919-3776. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by Trevor Scales as we'll look at uh, college football and uh, get some thoughts on the Heisman Trophy winner and what we can expect in this uh, playoff action and the Chase Young battle. If you're the Giants, you're not trying to win nothing. Because <laughs> you want Chase Young. You're not trying to win anything. We'll talk to Trevor Scales about that in a couple of minutes. Right now, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Charlie and Woodside, you're next on 98.7. Larry. Uh, hey, Larry. How you doing? I'm doing great, Charlie. Uh, What's up? Well, uh, if I'm if this is the last time I'm talking to you this year, I hope you wish you a happy holidays. Thank you. I appreciate that, Charlie. Uh, I got quick. Same to you. Quick, 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 uh, I got one before. I got a couple of things before I get to my one big thing. Okay. Are you a fan of the saga? Am I a fan of the saga? No. I mean, you mean the Star Wars saga? No, nah, I, I got burned out by Star Wars a couple of years ago. Oh, come on, Larry. I did. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, first, well, then, well, second part, Larry. March 26th, because I, I, I'm i done with football. You're done? The Giants, <laughs> the Giants this week, this Sunday, it's been, it has to be business as usual. Lose. Lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't start winning now. <laughs> yes, because the Chase Young sweepstake at yes. stake, so. Begin. You gotta lose. So yep. You gotta lose. Yep, okay. And March 26th, you know what that day is? Is that opening day? Yes, that's when Garrett Cole takes the mound oh, at Baltimore. You must have loved that press conference yesterday, didn't you? Oh, yes. Uh, I, uh, forget about the signs and everything. I don't think it's a fake. I think it's stained down. Mm-hmm. It's stained from his 2001 day, 18 years in the clouds or whatever. I don't care about the signs. It was really nice. How he's, He was so impressive in that press conference. Talking about the pressure is privilege. 
that's how that's 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 the guy who really gets it knows understands um really he's not faking it everything it was real talk mm-hmm. i mean talking talk about pressure is privilege he he gets it he talks about he also mentioned about you know playing october it's just not it's i mean the thing it's a it's another game mm-hmm. but it's not he really gets it and he talks about the analytic stuff how the analytics how you go and go in there. Dan talks about when he's on the particular day, you go by his, you know, mm-hmm. by your body language, your guts, and like, and everything. He, he, that, that press conference really impressive. And really, I mean, all, all those years where, you know, those press conference, like, you know, Stanton, mm-hmm. Messina, I mean, yeah. DC, it was like, it was nice. It was good. It was like, you don't, you don't lose the press conference, but, that that press conference that was really really impressive, and I can't wait to, you know, spring training pitches and catcher report, and he's the one leading his team rotation uh, over over the coaster the year and everything. So feeling pretty good about the Yankees now, aren't you, Charlie? Oh yes, because I think I believe this is the final, you know, final piece 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 to get get over the top. I hope to get a lefty bat at some point, but I know maybe after the New Year's Cashman better get something done, but. Overall, letting Didi go and everything, I think this team's overall is set to go and everything. So All I right, can't Charlie. wait for Can't wait. It's going to be interesting. Thanks for the phone call. It is. I mean, the on paper, the Yankees, and they won 103 last season with, with tons of injuries. So just think, if Garrett Cole performs like Garrett Cole and – the, the players stay healthy for the full season that were injured last season. And, of course, you know, Aaron Hicks is already hurt. So when he comes back, is he going to be, you know, who he is? And is it going to be a situation where Gleyber Torres, if he is at shortstop? Because yesterday, Michael Kay indicated that don't be surprised. And this is his – he mentioned this was his own personal feeling. Nothing he had heard. But in his opinion, don't be surprised if they still come up with somebody else to play short. Uh, this team is poised to be very good. Very, very good. They could win more games. But you know what? Yankee fans would rather them win less games in the regular season for that championship at the end. And I understand what, I understand what you mean because it's all about winning. Caitlin's in Long Island. Hi, Caitlin. You're next on 98.7. Hey, all right. So... Full disclosure, I'm biased because I am a lifelong Bills fan, right? Okay. But I heard, you know, prior, earlier you said that Mike Tomlin should be up for Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, I just want, do, do you consider Sean McDermott in that conversation at all? Well, I do. Here, here's the reason why I said that, Caitlin. I do. Sean McDermott's done a heck of a job with Buffalo. I mean, look where they are. He's, I mean, he's helped their defense. He's got Josh Allen playing well. My, the reason why I thought that Mike Tomlin should get is because he's still in contention and he's on his third string quarterback and he's lost a lot of folks with injuries. So that's why I said that I thought Mike Tomlin would be a good candidate for coach of the year. And I agree. And I, I fully agree with that. I just, I, I guess I'm frustrated with the fact that the bills don't get really talk about anything except that, Oh, well they beat easy teams. They beat easy teams. Well, guess what? The whole, AFC East had the same schedule, and the Bills are still 10-4. So, Well, you know, here's the one thing, Caitlin, and thanks for the phone call. Here's the one thing about the National Football League. You don't get to pick who you play. 
You have to beat who's on the schedule. And they've done that. And there's plenty of teams in this league that have lost to teams that they had no business losing to. Hello, Dallas, losing to the Jets. Okay? So it happens. So that's what makes what they've been able to do so good. And that's why they're in the position now against New England at Gillette Stadium Sunday. They can make a major statement. They're already, people are already noticing them in the National Football League. They've already opened some eyes. Yes, they've beaten teams on their schedule that had been struggling, but their defense has been dominant. And Josh Allen, in a lot of ways, has taken that next step. And so that's what people are noticing. Dante's in Queens. Hey, Dante, you're next on 98.7. Hello. Hello, hello, Larry. Um, my question, actually, a um, couple about, with, about the Yankees. Okay. Because um, I know Batantis was hurt last year, but I'm hearing that they're not interested. I, I would still give him at least a one-year deal. That doesn't hurt you. Um, I haven't heard anything about Encarnacion. I know he's an older guy. That's why you would just play him at DH. Not coming but back. It's like I haven't heard any moves. Like, what else is going on? I don't think he's coming back, Dante. No Encarnacion. I think he played his way out, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, with a really insufferable postseason. His postseason was awful. He looked. Yeah, it, it, it was. It, it you're was right. Bad. <laughs> you know, he came back. I don't know whether he came back from the injury too early or what the situation was, Dante. Thanks for the phone call. But, you know, that was the scenario. He, he really he looked awful. In the postseason. So he's not coming back. Um, they may make some other moves. They may find a left-hander, a left-hand bat. Uh, there's still some talk about Josh Hader. Uh, they were looking at his name had come up in, 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 uh, you know, rumors associated with the Yankees. So there's a possibility maybe if the deal is right that they might look to add him. If they, if they end up losing Patances, uh, I know that the Mets had been talked about as far as a, a possible home for Patances. I would love to see Dylan Patances in Flushing. Uh, but I know that John Heyman reported during the week that, uh, it was a no-go as of right at that point. It was a no-go with Patances. I, I would not be surprised if Patances ended up back with the Yankees. I still would not be. Because, you know, their bullpen has got a lot of depth. And listen, you put him in the eighth inning, that, that extends your bullpen even more. Okay. And you already got depth in the bullpen. And just look at your starting rotation now. What, Paxton's the fourth starter on that team? Tanaka, third starter? Tanaka's your third starter, who Yankee fans believe is their most consistent postseason guy, who they have faith in. Now with Cole, you move everybody down one. Masahiro Tanaka is your number three starter. Oh, I'm telling you, they look pretty good. They look pretty good. Mo's in Far Rockaway. What's up, Mo? Hey, Larry. How's it going? Good. Uh, happy holidays. Same to you. Um, I I want to touch on the Astro situation. I think they should. Um, whoever it affected, who. Players that got caught, players that didn't get World Series bonuses, and and all stuff like that. They should um they should they have to take that all into account, and then they're gonna find that amount to the Astros, and then give it all out. You know what I think is gonna happen, Mo? And thanks for the phone call. Here's what I think is gonna happen. 
I don't think because the Players Association is going to have to be involved with it, I don't think the Players Association is going to want anything happen to the players. I think what's going to be the big situation here, the big fine is going to be to the team and to general manager, president, and skipper. I think A.J. Hinch could have could be in serious trouble. That's what I think. So I don't think they're going to mess with the players because some of the players, Carlos Beltran is 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 managing the Mets, and he was on that team in 2017. So I, I don't think, and a lot of the players aren't there, so I don't think that's going to affect the players. But I think they will have sanctions at some way, heavy fines, and maybe some sanctions to affect them going forward. But I'm waiting to see what Major League Baseball is going to do. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Back to school. He was wearing my Harvard tie. Can you believe it? My Harvard tie. Like, oh, sure. He went to Harvard. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. It's time to go back to school with Trevor Scales on ESPN New York Tonight. It will be the last time this year we will chat with Trevor Scales going back to school here on 98.7 ESPN. He is the star of the college football show from 7 to 8 on Twitter, on YouTube Live, and, of course, the ESPN app. He's deprived of Harvard. Former (laughs) running back for the Atlanta Falcons in the National Football League. He is Trevor Scales, who joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trev. Hey, man. What's going on? How we living? We're doing good, man. What's happening? You know, I can't complain one bit. Just getting ready to do the travel circuit as we get into the nitty-gritty of the college football playoff semifinal and finals. So excited, more than excited, frankly. It's bowl season, baby. You can't help but love it. Listen, I know that you're slightly biased, okay, <laughs> as an offensive player. But, I mean, come on. Can a defensive guy win the Heisman? Why couldn't Chase Young win the Heisman? Listen, man, I think you know as well as I that – award has moved away from just the most outstanding player, right? Like, I think it was without question that the most dominant player on any field at any given moment was Chase Young. But I think a couple things ended up working against him. I think the quarterback narrative was kind of fallen into in recent years. And like you mentioned, the offensive bias creeping in to the minds of most and always has been the case with this award. That's always going to be a part of this game. But I think we also can't go by without – acknowledging the two-game suspension that he suffered throughout mm-hmm. the season. Not that it shaded my view upon him. It, it certainly didn't mess up his numbers. Sixteen and a half sacks over the course of a season and still setting the single-season sack record for Ohio State tells you all you need to know about this brother with two games not played. So I, I think it's just a matter of a couple different narratives working against him. That offensive bias that you missed him, and then couple that with the fact that he did miss two games courtesy of an NCAA suspension, it doesn't help his case at all. All right, Trevor, let's talk a little bit about some of these bowl games. The Citrus Bowl is interesting to me, and there's a great article on ESPN.com about it uh, because Alabama is not in the championship game this year. Mm-hmm. But they're playing Michigan. And let me mm-hmm. just say, Coach Harbaugh, he he hadn't won too many games against big-time teams who he should be beating. That's exactly see, right. See, filed under Ohio State. So what, what can we expect in this game, Trevor? And Coach Harbaugh fought fighting for that 10-win season, right? Like, that's an earmark that you look for in a coach like him. It's going to be the Ohio State game next. But if he gets this win, again, 
he subsides the uh, the, the proverbial tide that's actually rising up in his uh, own on his own campus that is calling for his job. He gets to kind of subside that for another season. For all we give uh, Harbaugh in the regard of flack, right? Like he has come through and sort of righted the ship at least against Michigan State, right? In other big games, he's come up to play. I think we saw it in this season alone. Uh, that second half against Penn State, where Shea Patterson and that offense found an identity, they finally kind of settled in and found some semblance of continuity on that side of the ball. Defense, led by Don Brown, that's always going to be right. They can always lean on that. But we're looking, as you mentioned, to see them perform in big games. This is their chance to knock off a perennial power in recent times in Alabama. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here not like I'm going to count out the tide, regardless of who's lining up under center, because they have four first-round wide receivers in one receiving core. But there's no shortage of talent on the offensive side of the ball for them. They're susceptible defensively. So, ironically enough, two programs that we're used to associating with defense could end up in a track meet, frankly, because of the deficiencies on defense on Alabama's side and just the offensive firepower that the Tide presents. Uh, are they going to be motivated to win talking about Alabama, or are they just like, you know, we're just out here, we're just playing, you know, come on, we're supposed to be in the big event, we're not there. <laughs> Save and give you a scholarship. You bet. Take your butt out there and be ready to play. <laughs> Listen, you and I both know, Larry, those things are one-year deals, baby. Ain't nothing right. about that four years guaranteed. So if you go out there and have a uh, not-so-great uh, performance, best believe that that can get reassessed real quick, fast, and in a hurry. So now I, I think this is going to be two teams that are ready to play, frankly, to sort of dispel the last case that we've had from both of these teams. You know what's interesting for me, Trip, and I know I've spoken to a number of players, and you know how players are when they go against their former team, college, pro, biddy, high school, whatever it is. But there's a situation where you've got uh, Chris Peterson, who's mm-hmm. uh, coaching, coaching. Who's former, yep. co- former coach at Boise State, now coaching at Washington, and he's facing his former team. What's that like coach-wise, Trev? You know, that's got to be an interesting sort of thing to set up, and it and it also plays into the fact that he's planning to resign from his position as Washington Huskies head coach after this game. Knowing all of that is at play, there has to be just sort of an unreal amount of emotion that goes into this. They're lucky that it's not the Idaho Potato Bowl where they end up playing out there on the blue field. That would have been just the most picturesque matchup that you could have drawn up. But I think Coach Peterson, he's gotten that Washington Husky program to a place that not many people expected him to get it to. He's created sort of a defensive back pipeline, essentially, out of that defense. And quarterbacks have been serviceable for him. And so I I think it's just going to be wrought with emotion as any player would experience it as well. Uh, but I do think that Washington trots out a lesser, uh, a, a more talented team, but just an underwhelming team over the course of the season. But when you're sending out a coach like Chris Peterson on his last game, you want to send him out on the high note. So I have to think that that locker room will be galvanized to a different level, despite Boise State feeling slighted that they didn't get that group of five bid for the bowl game uh, down in the Cotton Bowl as the group of five representatives. Trevor Scales going over. We're talking a little bowl action on this edition of Back to School. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Trevor, when we talk Georgia, we don't normally talk defense. But there's a situation Mm -hmm. here where they're battling Baylor where these are two pretty good defenses. 
Yeah, it's pretty much going to be the polar opposite of that Michigan and Alabama. Match, <laughs> yep. about, <right>? like, <laughs> what we know, these two teams to be able to do is play some good old defense and run the daggone ball. And I think we're gonna, they're going to have to lean on that, especially given the injuries that Georgia has essentially suffered at the wide receiver position. And Matt Rule isn't going to get out of his game as the Baylor head coach, right? He's gotten to this point a, a record uh, 11 wins for a program after going 2-11 and 11 just two years ago. Right, like this is uh, he's not going to change exactly what's gotten him to this point. So for that reason, they're going to stick to their guns. Georgia is forced to stick to their run game and leaning on that defense that didn't allow a rushing touchdown until the middle of November. And, and this is going to be one of those boys where you go sit back and just let this thing grind on out down in New Orleans. Is there any extra pressure on Oklahoma against LSU now that their quarterback is the Heisman Trophy winner? It's an interesting question. Um. I, I, I wouldn't venture so far as to say there's extra pressure, but there's certainly a lot more motivation from that Oklahoma defense. And mm-hmm. I and I think it's it's because there's there's twofold it's twofold because Oklahoma's defense has suffered specifically in the defensive backfield. The way they were able to overshadow that this season was getting after the pass, uh, getting after the passer. Uh, they were able to rack up uh, six sacks, seven QB hurries, or seven QB hits, rather, uh, in the Big 12 championship game against the aforementioned Baylor. So they were able to kind of cover that up. But there were still so many plays where you looked, where the ball was up in the air for grabs. And defensive backs were just taking terrible angles or just bad ball skills and and just little things and major deficiencies in that defensive backfield that make you worry. And so if you don't think that Joe Burrow didn't watch that tape and start licking his chops, you are sadly mistaken. Because this brother has a different mentality when he steps on that field. So they're going to be under pressure, not necessarily from the sense of, you know, we have to go out and challenge the, the, the Heisman Trophy winner, but more so this brother's coming out probably sniffing blood, and he's going to go after us. And that offense, led by Joe Burrow and Joe Brady, has every intention of running up numbers every single time they set foot on the field. So it's number one LSU facing number four Oklahoma, number two Ohio State plays number three Clemson. Who ends up the final two? I got uh, I, I got oh, I got LSU in, in, in the Peach Bowl, hands mm-hmm. down. But I, I just – nobody wanted to run into Clemson. Everybody wanted that one seed for a reason. <laughs> Clemson's playing the best ball it feels like out of anybody in the country. Uh, and yet and still, that Ohio State team really does feel like the most complete team in all of the land. I'm going to rock – with Ohio State. I think Ryan Day has his guys playing with a different mentality than they did under Urban Meyer. Not that it's any lesser than or greater than what he had, but they have a different swagger, a different enjoyment of the game about themselves this year uh, that feels like it's tough to stop. They got, they had two, three really emotionally taxing games at the end of the season in Penn State, Michigan, and that Big Ten title game against Wisconsin. They now have a chance to reset get themselves right, get their mind right, go back after this bad boy. And I see them kind of coming out and proving that they are the most complete team in the uh, in all of the land. We'll see Ohio State and LSU in the final. Where is the college football show this week? The college football show is off for this week. But on the 28th, we will be out in Phoenix getting you right, getting your prepped for these two semifinal games going down on December 28th. Uh, the aforementioned Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl that we just talked a little bit about. Uh, so we'll be there an hour before kickoff 
Uh, so that will be 3 p.m. Eastern. We will be on Twitter, YouTube Live, and the ESPN app. It's a big old party. We're bringing out, but we're taking out all the stops. We're going to have some fun with this bad boy. And again, get you right for both semifinal games uh, on the ESPN family and networks. Okay. Uh, Got to ask you this. Let's go. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Man. Man. Now, if you if you want to stop there, I could go right. Like I, I, I can go. I, I stopped. I, I stopped. You go. You go. I stopped. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> thrilled, thrilled to see that an offense really took his identity as a football player on and molded everything around him. Not just the play calling, but every single piece of personnel. Right, the athletic tight ends that also want to put their hand in the dirt and get after the blocking scheme. Hayden Hurst. I saw him run down the field 60 yards, and I had no idea the brother ran track evidently in high school or something because he had the most upright just sprinter stands run that I – it was picturesque. But, like, they just have so many different athletes that are weaponized in so many different ways on that roster, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And, and he just has a galvanizing effect on everybody around him. You can't help but love the brother and appreciate every single press conference he walks up to that podium with a T-shirt that says, nobody cares, work mm-hmm. hard. And that's exactly what he does, and you love him for it. Got to ask you this, and, and you'll, you'll know because you've been there on both, both sides, covering it and having played and made the transition. Mm-hmm. Trevor, right now there's more college football offenses in the National Football League than I've seen in a long time. <laughs> How does that help the transition of these young quarterbacks because of them seeing certain things offensively that they're used to running in college, even though everybody's not looking to the sideline like they do in college, but right. you know, the, 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 the fundamentals of the playbook is similar yeah. to what they had in college. Yes. The headset and the helmet helps, right? Like that's yeah. the easiest lot of communication that you can have essentially. <laughs> but I think even something as simple as the mechanics of being the gun versus being under center, right? Not forcing uh, a center uh, quarterback to have to be under center and learn a new set of uh, mechanics, incorporating a lot more play action. It alleviates uh, a lot of guesswork for the quarterback pre-snap. He's able to, you know, he'll see the shell, whatever it presents itself to be. But with all of the movement that coaches are now incorporating into quarterback pass schemes and the athleticism that they're banking on their quarterback having, they're playing in the skill set. The ego is being dropped more and more in the National Football League, understanding that these are a different breed of athlete that we're allowing into this quarterback room. The mobility of uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously Lamar Jackson is that an elite level, but even the Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Aaron Rodgers as an older guy who has that mobility that isn't necessarily breakaway speed, but you have to account for it, and it puts pressure on a defense. And even though you may feel like you're eliminating half of the field by rolling to one side, the arm strength of these cats and the ability to kind of open things up for an offense is just about any play scheme possible. Now, Trevor, if we could just get the offensive linemen to understand to make that adjustment from college to pro, because that's the thing that when you talk to coaches and, and folks in the National Football League, even former offensive linemen, they tell you about, you know what, they don't prepare them in college to play in the National Football League as they used to. They truly do not. I was speaking with Max Starks, one of my uh, co-hosts, one of my awesome co-hosts on the college football show, and he put it to me plainly in that uh, understanding that you can't go into the in the pros having only learned 
either a gap run scheme or a zone run scheme. Or when it comes to the pass, uh, pass pro game, understanding that man and zone concepts, you split the line down the middle, and you're having to split between man and zone concepts. And you have to understand, if they're running a game defensively where the defensive end goes from one side of the offensive line to the other, you have to be able to understand, look, I understand that it was a man side on my side, but it's now a zone over there, and I have to be able to shift and communicate and bump down and do all of these things on the fly so that we can always keep our quarterback and our uh, other skill positions clean. So understanding that, the multiplicity of offenses at the pro level is the biggest thing. College coaches tend to stick to what they have in their scheme and do not get outside of it for the sake of remaining sim- simple mm. and not confusing their offensive line, not necessarily challenging them. You are going to be challenged at the pro level to be able to take on quite a bit because in order to be unpredictable as an offense, you have to have multiple looks. Trevor, listen, my friend, you were great this year, as always. We thank you for giving us a couple of minutes. We'll talk to you in the new year. We'll break it down some more, and we'll start talking about all these mock drafts that have start, started coming out. Todd McShay had one this week, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Giants need to keep losing because Giants need to keep losing because if they do, they, 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 they could have somebody special. Yes, sir. Shirts and T-shirts season is upon us. <laughs> we will have some fun with that. I'm looking forward to it. All right, safe travels, my friend. Regards to the family. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Sandy, y'all. All right. Trevor Scales taking us back to school here on 98.7 ESPN.